Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, you have those moments where, you know, uh, you're worshiping the Lord, you know, like that, and strong and praising his life. You're having trouble. The words are like squeaking out. I started off, I'm like, ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm singing all strong. And I got to the second verse, and I'm just breaking down. I just start bawling. I'm like, man, God is so good. Amen. You know, has, has he been good to you? <laughs> giving you eternal life. Giving you the prospect of something so much better than all this. And even while you're here, you can still experience it. And just think for a moment where you were before you encountered the true and living God, Jesus Christ. And look at where you are now. How can you not praise Him? No matter what you're going through, on your darkest day, He's still a good, good God that loves you and has the best for you. Amen? Um, I want to pray real quick because you guys... I mean, there's obviously this stuff going on all around the world, right? Um, so I'm sure some of you guys heard about that uh, that mass shooting at that strip mall in Texas, you know, and all those people that got gunned down. But you know, it just seems like it's just part of the course in the culture we live in. It's just like anywhere, like somebody's upset, somebody's not happy, and they just take out an automatic weapon and they just start shooting people. It's very sad. You know, it's very sad that that's, that's the way we deal with our frustration and our anger and our depression and our bitterness and our jealousy. We don't bring it to the Lord. We take an automatic weapon and we start killing people. And that doesn't alleviate the pain that that person or those people who committed that crime felt. So I just want to pray real quick uh, for those people, just, just for the people in the world in general that are suffering. Father God, I just... Lift up uh, just these accounts that have been going on continually. It's not only here in America, but it's just across this globe. There's just widespread hate. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you would come quickly. Lord, give us the ability to stand firm in the face of opposition as we just see it so much, Lord. May it not get more airtime than you because you're the one who's sovereign. You're the one who's good. And even though all these atrocities continue to happen, Lord, it's, it's part of your judgment because you're dealing with a world that has continually, constantly chosen to turn their backs upon you. And so this is what we get. You're, you're lifting your hands from this world, and at some point, you're going to pull the Holy Spirit and this church out of this place, and it's really going to become a satanic ground. Uh, so, Lord, I just pray that whoever has been affected by all these things going on, that they would repent, even the perpetrators, Lord, that you would convict their hearts that they would realize how wretched they are and that they need salvation. Father, it only comes from you, so I pray that you be merciful and that you hear this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, there's, a, there's a slide. I don't know, Lou, if you can see that picture of that sky. I don't know if, it, if, if it's going to come up, but if, it, if, it, if you could get a hold of that and pop that on the screen. I, I, I was at work earlier this week and, you know, um, I like looking up at the sky and seeing stuff. Not not seeing stuff just to see things like, oh, there's a teddy bear in the clouds over there, you know. But when I believe the Lord does speak to His creation, and um, you know, I took this picture. Um, I don't know, is, is it there, Lou? Is it able to? Are you able to get a? It's not there. Veronica didn't put it on. Well, it's all good. The whole point, it, 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 it would have more impact if it was there, but I'm going to still share it anyway. So I looked up at the sky, and, you know, we've been having some crazy weather lately, right? Especially here in California, we're like, this is supposed to be hot. I mean, I'm not um, upset about the rain. The Lord's will, whatever He does. But when I looked up at the sky, it was very clear to me that there was an om ominous cloud that was very dark on one side. And it seemed like as if there was just a line of demarcation that was just split. It was that like a, a, a line like this. And then on the other side, it was all blue and white. And uh, what I believe the Lord was showing me was exactly that. There's a clear distinction between darkness 
and evil and good and righteousness. And as Michelle alluded to as she, she sung, you know, we have a choice to make, church. We have a decision to make. Every day you and I wake up, we have a decision. Are we either going to sow to the Spirit or sow to the flesh? And I pray that as we continue to be granted time on this earth, that we will continue to come to the awareness that we need to be sowing to the Spirit daily. It's not just when we come in here for an hour and a half, two hours. It's when you're alone by yourself and nobody's around. What are the decisions that you and I are making? Are they decisions that are going to edify us and glorify God? Or are they going to be decisions that make the Lord mourn and grieve? And are they going to do things that are going to destroy and tear down people around us? The choice is yours, church, and mine as well. Today, will you choose life or will you choose death? I pray that you choose life. Amen? Amen. Those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I can't get that verse out of my head. And it's like, I, I take that personal. I'm constantly trying to hear from the Lord in His Word, through other people, through circumstances. And I pray that that's your heart as well. Uh, this morning we're, we're in James chapter 5. Uh, this is the last book of James. Uh, and we'll, go, we'll be going through verses 1 down through 6. This, uh, t- this message is entitled, Rich Oppressors Will Be Judged. So uh, with that, if you stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to, we'll read our text this morning, and then we'll go ahead and get into our message. just want to make a, just want to put out a, a, a statement here that, again, we need to read the Bible and hear the Bible in its context, or else it's we're going to make it mean whatever we want. So I'm just putting out a disclaimer. This is not for every one person. This is for those who have chosen to live a lifestyle unrepented and chose to put their hope in their riches and in worldly wealth rather than in the true and living God. Amen? All right. So go ahead and it reads, starting in verse 1, it says, Come now, you rich, weep. And howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evident against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your heart in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I know that this is a this is a harsh thing. This is hard to stomach. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be aware and attentive. Father God, I pray that as your word goes forth, we wouldn't look to the left or to the right. We wouldn't look to the people we assume that this word is speaking to, but that we would look at our own hearts, that we would examine our own motives, our own actions and bring ourselves into submission to your word. May you shift us and heal out everything in us that is not according to your will. Father, may we take this message personal. Father, may you show Christ and his righteous judgment in and through your word now. Father, give us ears to hear, and may we be attentive to what you have to say to us this morning. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Like I mentioned, we begin today the final chapter of the book of James. People have just been blown away by this book. Uh, It's one thing to go through it personally and and, and get all of these great spiritual nuggets and truth and treasure in this book, but it's just a whole other thing to be able to share it with people, with the church, with saints, that people that want to hear 
And I, I definitely know that we're supposed to be outreaching and, and, and reaching out to those around us, and I believe we are, but there's something about coming together with the people of God and, 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 and sharing the truth of the Word of God. So I pray that you would be uh, just enthused about what you're going to get from the Word this morning. And just like all the other chapters in the book of James, this one starts off with a bang. This one's a doozy. This morning's passage, again, will center around a warning given to the rich of this world and the judgment that is going to come upon them for their misuse of the resources and wealth that the Lord has allowed them to obtain in this lifetime. Hear me, this is what this is about. It's about the misuse. It's the Lord who allows anyone to gain any kind of wealth. I don't care if you're... Who, who's, who's, the, who's the third king of England now? What's his name, Charles? Charles III. Charles III. I don't care if you're Charles III. The Lord allowed him to get into that position. You know, Nobody does it on their own. And so we want to be those that are aware that it is the Lord that allows us to receive. And how we use that, I pray that we would use what he's allocated to us wisely. This is a sobering fact. Almost half the world's population, about 3.4 billion people, still struggle to meet their basic needs. Living on less than $3.20 per day, this fact reflects the poverty lines in low-to-middle-income countries, while $5.50 a day reflects standards in upper-to-middle-income countries. The World Bank remains committed to achieve the goal of ending extreme poverty defined by living on less than a dollar and ninety cents a day. They want to do this by 2030. That's what the World Bank. Um, now I'll say that's a noble cause, but if you know anything about the World Bank, there's whole other motives going on with that. So I'll leave it at that. But this is their earthly wisdom. They think by 2030 they can eradicate this. Now, these facts that I gave you right now, this is from an article penned in 2018. It's 2023. So just imagine what those numbers are like now as far as those who are living in poverty and can't even provide basic needs for themselves or their families. And one would say, well, you know, that's relative. It's relative to the world and it's relative to the country you live in. I get it. It's relative to the state and the economy of each country. But when you think about it biblically, that's exactly the problem. There shouldn't be widespread poverty all throughout the world. There shouldn't be people having to walk 30 and 40 miles to go to a well to get water where it's full of all kinds of disease. But this is what sin does. This is the effect, the marring effect of sin. And so we see this extreme on opposite sides of the spectrum. Too rich and too poor. What does the Bible say? Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. <laughs> don't give me too little that I would rob a man. And don't give me too much that I would deny you and just live for myself because I have all of these things that I think I need. I'm obviously paraphrasing that verse, but you get the point. You see, I truly believe, church, that we must take this warning to heart. Because, you know, as I went through this study this week, I was challenged. I was challenged having to look at my own self and my own use of money and how at times I simply am just wasteful. I just put it out there. It just is what it is, you know? You say, you see, because it's easy to, to hear a, a, a word like this and say, oh, this message is for the billionaires of the world, those who have uber wealth. They're super wealthy and they're misusing the money. And I get that. But I, but I was convicted of this fact. If you have a roof over your head, if you have clothes on your back, if you have access to running water, if you can take a shower, if you have a refrigerator to store food, if you have a bank account, if you have a car or some form of transportation, if you have a job, then you are rich in worldly standards compared to the majority of the world. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. 
Because we sit up here and many times we complain about this, that, and the other, but we got so much. I mean, if you have a cabinet full of canned goods, that's right. Like, I don't know what I want to eat. Man, have it taken away when you ain't got nothing, and then you're going to be like, man, I'm super grateful for them, for that tuna fish that don't nobody want to eat, or whatever it is, those lentil beans that haven't been cut. You know, everybody's on this kick with no, 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 no wheat, no wheat. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on this diet where I can't have all this. It's got to, and I get it. Gluten this, gluten that. But, you know, they, they've done, maybe it's not in all cases, but they've done studies. I, I, I worked with someone where they, her child had a peanut allergy, and then little by little they exposed the boy to peanuts. Now they don't have a peanut allergy. we got all these allergies for every little thing. Back in the day, bread was a staple. Bread was a staple in the Middle Eastern world. Now nobody wants to touch bread. Give me the burger with lettuce. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing while people are starving other places? But we're so consumed with all this and that. And I get it. I'm not trying to make light of, of certain people's medical conditions. But again, to me, I truly believe, as the Scripture says, it all goes back to sin. And if we believe God is the great physician, then He can heal all these things. He can. But if we're stuck on, we've got to stay in this little box and do what society says, then I guess we're going to be where we are. One foot in, one foot out. You see, so we must take this warning personal so we don't become like those who will suffer the consequences of their poor stewardship. We have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. Those who have laid up earthly treasures for themselves will suffer many miseries on the day of God's judgment. You see, James' attention is on the day of God's judgment against these wealthy oppressors. The misuse of their gold and silver will testify against them according to the symbolic description that we see in the scripture here of corrosion. It's going to corrode. It's going to corrode. It's not going to last. It's not going to stand the test of eternity because it's earthly. It's worldly. So many people. What, what happened to the cryptocurrency and all that? So many people went so head in first. It's all crypto. It's all crypto. What happened? They went bust. They bankrupt. Don't put your trust in the new currency. Put your trust in Jesus Christ, the only one who is from eternity past to eternity future, the Alpha and the Omega. Why would you put all of your hope in this? In this currency that's ever changing? You know, our, our, our government can cease to back the dollar bill at any point in time. Any point in time. So why live in the attempt to amass all the money you can? Money can't love you. You can think you can buy certain things with money, and yeah, you can, but you'll still be left with that emptiness because money is just a means to an end. It's not an end in and of itself. But so many people live and strive for this. It's not worth it, church. Instead of using their stockpiles of precious metals to help the poor, these individuals that are spoken of in our text this morning, they simply just hoarded the money until it began to waste away. You see, when the Lord rules against them, their own flesh will be eaten away by fire in the same way that corrosion has eaten away their gold and their silver. Now, I understand this is a harsh and cutting judgment, but we're dealing with the holy and righteous God, and he has to deal with sin accordingly. James offers no grace from God for these unrepented unbelievers. It's important that we understand this, church. They are unrepentant unbelievers. This is not for the person that was on that road and somewhere down the line, they, 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 they responded to the conviction in their heart and they repented. Someone like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was righteous. But he repented. He was convicted and he responded out of his free will. He didn't say, no, I'm going to go my own way. It doesn't matter what he's shown me. That's why, church, today, if you hear the Lord's voice, do not harden your heart. Today may not come. The rest 
2.30 today may not come. You and I must understand the Lord can return at any time. And if He returns before you're ready and you're not right with Him, you know what's going to happen. We, not, we may not make it out till 4.30 today. The rest of the day is not promised. Mark was praying for some of the gentlemen earlier that were, you know, they were on their motorcycles and, uh, you know, told them about the church house, asked them if he could pray for them. He said, yeah. And the reality is, well, we pray for those men because, you know, that's, that's a dangerous thing being on a motorcycle like that. Mm-hmm. I, I overheard him talking. He said, you hit a rock. And that's it. You're done. You, I knew uh, a friend that had a, a buddy that, you know, he, he, he had a motorcycle accident and he, he slid underneath a, a semi and his head, he got decapitated. You know, these things happen. So, again, the whole point is, if you hear the Lord's voice, don't, don't play games with God. Get right with God when you hear and sense Him coming upon your spirit now. So that you can be ensured of eternal comfort and peace and joy and glory with Him forever on and through all eternity. Why, why gamble your eternal state by just being wishy-washy about something as important as your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you get nothing else from this message, it's that. You see, these individuals are guilty of laying up earthly treasures for themselves in the last days instead of spending it to help those in need. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-24 tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, what do we get excitement from in our lives? Do we get excitement from serving and being a blessing to other people, to see other people thrive, to see other people come out of the muck and the mire of their circumstances and situations? Do we get excitement and joy from that? Or do we get excitement and joy from, oh, I just bought another 63-inch TV. How's that going for you? It loses its luster real quick. Why? I mean, I get it. Have that big old screen TV, but the cable that you watch on it ain't worth watching. So I can see a demonic image in, in, a, in a 63-inch version? I'd rather not. All these things. There's nothing wrong with getting a brand new car and this and that, whatever. But it's like, don't live for it. That car, again, it's not going to love you back. It, lo- it loses its luster so quick. And then you're like, I'm off into the next thing. I need something else to, to, try, to, to try to make me feel good. I was talking to my coworker uh, this, uh, this week, and... And, and he's a sports guy, too, and, and I was telling him, I said, you know what, it's interesting because as the years have gone on, sports doesn't have the same effect on me as it used to have. So I can watch the game. With kids, I won't watch the whole game. I'd be lucky if I get, like, the last, all I really need is the last ten minutes or so, you know, to see what really happens. But I've noticed that, you know, the things that I used to use to kind of pacify me, or try to give me comfort, you know. Oh, you know, NFL's on, or college football, I'm a big college football guy. College football's on, I don't care who the team is, I'll watch it. But it doesn't have the same attraction anymore. It's lost its luster. It doesn't fill me. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still the same way I was before I turned on the, the ESPN. You see, because it's only Jesus Christ that can truly fulfill me and make me whole on the inside and satisfy my desire for life. It's not the things of this world. And that's unfortunately what uh, uh, the people that we're focusing on in in our message, these wealthy, rich people in, in James' time, they didn't get that. They didn't get that. And they suffered the consequences of their behavior. Many still have not figured out that there is no U-Haul attached to a hurt. That's an old saying, but it's so true. You're not, I'm not taking anything with me when I die. So, why not? Nothing wrong with material things, right? Because the, the Bible says a righteous man will give and have something for three generations down. His children's children's children. 
So if you're not leaving some kind of legacy for your children's children's children, the Bible says you are not a righteous man. And I don't necessarily believe it's speaking in the context of solely material things. I believe it's talking about a legacy of serving the Lord. A legacy of pointing to Jesus Christ. A legacy of saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a sobering thing. So, I mean, I'm speaking to the men here, also to the women, but I'm speaking to the men in that context. If you're not leaving a godly legacy for your children's children's children, the Bible says you are not a righteous man. Spend more time raising up your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your children, even if they're adults, more than being concerned about worldly wealth. I guarantee you'll be so blessed for it. If you, and I'm learning this in my own life with my own young children, if, if, if you dismiss them and you take priority over, with other things over them, you will suffer. Your family will suffer. Your family will suffer. You don't have to. That's the theme again today. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll refer back to what Michelle said. We have a choice. You have a choice to make. Nobody is forcing you to make the decisions that you're making, but you need to be wise, church, and be led by the authority of the Holy Spirit in what you choose to do and how you choose to spend your time. Amen? The second main point is this. We as believers in Jesus Christ are not to live for luxury and self-indulgence. Now hear me here. This is a disclaimer. I'm not saying that, 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 uh, okay, uh, let me, let me rephrase this, let me say it correctly, right? If you have a mindset of thinking serving the Lord is going to be grievous and boresome and, oh my gosh, all this stuff is taken away from me, I'm just going to live such a vanilla, plain, boring life. You have a wrong perspective of the scripture, you don't even realize what the Lord did for you, you don't realize how great and glorious your life will be by walking with Him instead of walking in the world. Okay? Because many people say, well, i got to give up all this and that. Yeah, you do got to give up all this and that, but what you got to give up isn't even really good for you. You see, that's how deceived you and I are before the eyes of our hearts are opened by the authority and the unction of the Holy Spirit that we think that all the stuff that we spent so long amassing is actually worth more than the true and living God who gave His life for us, who died upon that cross, who rose from the dead. There's no one else who could rise from the dead. Sure, there's been plenty of people who've been martyred for their faith and have died a gruesome death, but they were all sinners and they all had a choice. Or they didn't have a choice. Excuse me. Jesus had a choice and He chose still to die for you and I. I mean, it's it, 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 it's such a medical phenomenon that he sweats drips of blood. That is only under extreme, extreme hardship that that would actually occur, but it did occur. That's how rare it is that our Messiah did that. He did that for your sin and my sin. You see, so we have to take these things into account when we think of what is going on in our day-to-day lives. We are to live for Jesus Christ and not for the luxury of this world. I say that not to say that you shouldn't have things. You can have things. You can have things. I mean, you got a boat. Have a boat. Enjoy the boat. Go out on the lake. Fish with your kids. Do what you do. Go to the baseball game. Whatever, yada, yada. Whatever your fancy is. My whole thing is, the Bible's whole thing is, don't be sucked alive by that thing. Don't, have, don't allow those things to have a stranglehold on your life where now they become an idol sitting on the throne of your heart. It should only be Christ alone who sits on the throne of your heart. Solomon was very wealthy by world standards and the wisest man that ever lived. So, it would be wrong for me to say that being wealthy is wrong and God doesn't bless. He, look at what he did to Abraham. He blessed Abraham. So we know God blesses. We know God wants us to have things. As has been said by many people before me, don't let those things have you. That's the whole point. You should be able to, to turn it off and on when it comes to the material things of this world. And when you can't, that's when you have a serious problem and you need to repent and get right with the Lord. Because you see, in times of great need, 
Some wealthy people live out lives of luxury and self-indulgence. Their use of their wealth to provide for themselves the easiest, softest lives possible. In doing so, they fatten themselves or their hearts for the day of slaughter. And they do this while not only ignoring the plight of others, but while abusing them in order to become even richer. You see what I'm saying? There's one thing to become a wealthy person and, and, and you worked hard and you didn't cut corners and you didn't cheat and you didn't lie and you didn't steal and you didn't connive and you didn't manipulate and you didn't blackmail. You didn't do all those things to gain what you, what you assume to be wealth. And it's a whole other thing to backstab, fight, hate, lie, deceive in order to obtain your wealth. It's like, is that really worth it on the backs of all these people? That's such a horrible thing. Their blood is on your head, on your hands. You don't want to live like that, church. You see, their sin, speaking of these wealthy rich who abuse it, their sin seems pleasant at the time, but it is just setting them up for a more dramatic fall later on. Again, that's if they do not repent of their sin. This supports the idea that James is not condemning wealth or all rich people. Rather, he is criticizing the sinful temptations that come with wealth, selfishness, and greed. You see, instead, you and I are to live out lives honoring Jesus Christ and serving others. Use your wealth. Use the blessings that God has given you to be uh, a blessing to, to, to reach out to other people who, who may need it. That is really the reason why he gives you stewardship over material things, because he wants to he wants you to use it for the good of others. Not so you can sit up and be like, Well, I'm I'm King Keeping and, and and I got all this. No. <laughs> Fool. <laughs> You're supposed to use it to be a blessing to others. Proverbs chapter eleven, verse twenty five says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. How many of you want to be refreshed today? Then refresh others. <laughs> you refresh other people, you're going to be refreshed. You see, but if we're not reaching out to nobody else, if we're not concerned with our brother or sister to the right or to the left, if we're not, concer- if we're not concerned about our neighbor and loving our neighbor as ourselves, which we know the Bible says is anybody, which is the rest of humanity, then how can we believe that we're going to be refreshed when we're all like, I'm just solo bolo. <laughs> I'm just doing my own thing. Don't get, in, don't get in my lane. I don't got time for you. No, it's like, you know, that's why, like I said, I like that, that Mark went and talked to those men. Talk to them. Oh, it took like a couple seconds. But we don't know the impact that that's going to have on their lives. It's thinking of others, not thinking of ourselves. First, Jesus, others, then you. Joy, right? That acronym for joy, Jesus, others, then yourself. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for whatever they have done. Isn't that great? Do you, do you realize the impact of just that verse alone? When you lend to the Lord, you're, 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 uh, when you lend to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Whether it be of your time, your effort, your, your resources. You know, just lending an ear you're being a blessing to them and you're actually blessing the Lord and He's going to repay you for that. He, he, he repays beyond what we could even imagine. Now you see, if you're thinking, oh, oh man, that's going to come in the bank account, well then, you know, again, your thinking's wrong. <laughs> it's a spiritual blessing that you'll be repaid with. Now, if He wants to bless you financially, He can. He's a good Lord. He'll do whatever He wants. But how I understand it is, I want a deeper relationship with Him. I want to know the revelation of Him so deep and so raw in my life that it's like, man, it's just like a hand in a glove. That's what it is. That's what I want. You see, remember, the the Scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So when we hear these verses, we we need not think, oh, He's going to give me something. No, it's like He's going to give you more of Himself, more revelation, more understanding, more, more of a deeper faith to walk through the, the issues of this life, He's going to reward you for whatever you've done. Blessing the poor. Our third main point is this. Our sinful ways cry out against us 
if we're unrepented like these, these rich people, these wealthy people, and the cries of the innocent that we do wrong against reach the ears of the Lord. When I, when I was studying this, you know, I could not help but, but, but be led by the Holy Spirit to, to Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. This brought me right back to when, when, when Cain killed Abel. It says in Genesis chapter 4, 10, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You see, Yahweh is, is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at once. Right? His view is widespread over all of his creation. He sees everything that's going on all the time. He knows what you and I are thinking and what we're going to say before we even say it. He's never caught off guard by anything or anyone. And blood spilled in unjust death cries out to be avenged for the wrong being made right. I was just talking about those, those poor people that got gunned down at that, uh, that, that, uh, that outlet mall in Texas. That innocent blood is crying out. They're just going about their day. You know, I, can, I mean, it's horrible when you just imagine it. Just a family of four, young children, and all of a sudden they're, they're in the middle of gunfire. For what, man? Just, the kids are just with their parents trying to get something from an outlet mall. That innocent blood is crying out to the Lord. And you see, the same goes for any action done unjustly to another. Here in our text, this is the wealthy defrauding the workers of the field. Basically, they have these people work, but pay them little to no money for their labor. And the injustice of this cries out to the Lord of heaven. As well, the cries of those who have been wrongly taken advantage of cries out to Jesus Christ. You see, our Lord will execute justice, and he will always have the last word. Nobody, and I repeat, nobody gets away with it in the end. Doesn't matter. I don't care what the, 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 the law of the land says it does. We don't do capital punishment no more. Why? I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't mean to get political, but, but what does giving someone 25 life sentences do? If you did something heinous, there needs to be retribution. That's why we have this problem with the prisons being overfilled and overcrowded. That's for another day, another subject. <laughs> Alright, James 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Alright. I'm going to look at this statement here. It says, come now, you rich. He, 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 he's trying to get their attention. And at this point in the book of James, if you think about it, we really have, should have developed the idea of the need to be completely dependent upon Jesus Christ. And by this point in the book, I mean, that, that, that's really what should be on the forefront of your mind and my mind and your heart and my heart. Like, if Jesus Christ isn't the full source of our lives, I'm not sure what we're really doing, right? I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just, this is what I, 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 I believe I'm being led to share. Like, there, and I get it, it's on God's timetable. What I'm saying is, again and again, it's a choice. We have to make a decision. If we believe God is who He says He is, if we believe Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, then we need to take Him at His word and take Him up on His offer and get raw and real with Him so we can begin to grow and change and be manifested into the creation that He's called us to be. And that only happens when we have a need for complete dependence upon Him. Not your health, not your spouse, not your children, not your career, not your good looks, not your friends, not even the church. Just Jesus Christ alone. It starts with Him. 
And when we get that right, then all these other things begin to blossom and grow and bloom, and we get to partake in all of the great, glorious things He has for us. But you see, we serve a God of order. Because you can't get this right if this ain't right. Your relationship, my relationship with Christ, my relationship with Christ comes way before my relationship with my wife. If my relationship with the Lord ain't right, my relationship with my wife is going to be poor back. Anybody who's married in here, y'all already know that's the truth. Don't ever put your husband or your spouse on a pedestal like that. Christ needs to be all in all. And a lot of parents struggle with this too. Don't put your children on a pedestal, man. Christ needs to be the only one exalted. If anything, you're going to come to find out he came with a sword and he came to divide. There's going to be family members that you're going to have to part ways with for a season. Hopefully it's only for a season. And they repent and get back. But you see, blood cannot be thicker than Christ. It can't. You have to have one master. It has to be him. I'm not saying, and, and that's where people get it wrong. They say, oh, well, he said, he said, hate your mother and father. No, he didn't. What he meant in context was, don't allow them to have the seat of your heart. Only I can have the throne of your heart. When we get that right, all of our relationships end up for the better in the long run. But when we start hoisting up all these other people and all this other stuff on the throne of our hearts, mark the Bible's words, you will suffer the consequences for those actions. Now we see that James' James' rebuke is is most likely given to those who will probably live the most independent from God. And that would be the rich. It's simply because, again, uh, because they have money. But let me, again, make this statement because I don't want my words to get twisted. There's nothing inherently wrong with being wealthy and not all wealthy people fall into this category. Okay? Because money or wealth is not evil, but it is the love of money that is at the root of all kinds of evil. You can read that for yourself. That's a classic verse that's found in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You see, it is this unhealthy love of money and wealth that destroys the individual and all those around them. I mean, if you've ever watched that show, American Greed, you know all about that. Because that show, I mean, if I, I mean, that's just so off. It's like, man, embezzle all this money, do this and that, and they're rolling high for a while, and then all of a sudden it all comes crashing down. Set of rallies on them, <laughs> your phone's tapped, yeah. They are, they are, they are whatever, you know, uh, you know, device you use and, and, and they just, and, and it's all bad. <laughs> and then you go to prison. And then you got nothing. And all these people's lives are destroyed in the wake of, of, of your, of, of your lust for money. The lust to have more thinking that that's gonna provide for you what you really need. When you could have just lived off modest gains and been contented. <laughs> you know? And, and, and had the blessing of the Lord upon you. Again, it all goes back to choice. We're not robots. You and I have the free will choice. You can either choose to walk in light of what the Lord says or walk your own way and follow after worldly riches, but there will be a consequence for living solely for the world and what the, the world provides. And we know that money is not evil because not all of Jesus' followers were poor. Again, I alluded to Zacchaeus earlier, but also Joseph of Arimathea and Barnabas. They were all well off by worldly standards, but they were true uh, followers of Christ. The point is a direct rebuke to the wealthy of this world, and it's given because riches do not present an additional and significant uh, benefit when it comes to entering into the kingdom, it's actually an obstacle. Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 and 24 tells us, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to travel through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's a hard thing, too. But back in, in, in those days, there would be like a smaller door that, that animals could go through, and a camel definitely would not go through that door. So that's what Jesus is talking about. No camel's going to get through that little, you know, uh, door like this high. Camel's not going to get through that. So that's our whole camel through the eye of the needle. And, and look at the text. The text says it's not that a rich person won't go to heaven, but it's through difficulty. Why? Because many times money can be used to resolve problems in this life, right? 
And wealthy people, when they have problems, what do they do? They can just throw money at their problems, and their problems seem to go away. Examples. Just look at our media. There's always some kind of story of some higher-up bribery of some sort going on. Bribing people. Here, take the, there's, there's, a, there's a business term for this where they basically buy you out. Here, here's X amount of money. Keep your mouth shut. Go away. Go away. Don't leak the information you know. I've, I've bought you off. And you see, if, if those in power can simply pay you off to shut you up, they will do so. But if that doesn't work, then they typically resort to a more violent method to quiet unwanted voices. That, that's how it happens. <laughs> if they can't pay you off, then, okay, now we're going to get aggressive and we're going to threaten your family or we're going to hurt you or we're going to hurt your loved ones because you keep quiet. The application is simply this. Riches and grace sometimes may go together. But for those who are deceitfully wicked, they not only wallow in their wealth, but they also abuse it with pride, luxury, oppression, and cruelty. Again, this is not for those who will repent. And only the Lord knows those who are going to repent. But these are for those who continue to walk wayward onto their death. This is what those people have to look forward to. They're going to wallow in their wealth. Well, the opposite, this is a good part, <laughs> well, the opposite many times can be said true about the poor. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, being poor leads to great riches. Poverty in spirit means recognizing how truly deficient we are apart from Jesus Christ. It means seeing ourselves as we really are, spiritually lost, hopeless, and helpless without Jesus Christ. There's a humility that comes with that if you are granted so much. You're more than a conqueror in Christ who strengthens you. You see, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, everyone, even the rich and wealthy of this world, are all spiritually bankrupt, regardless of their material accomplishments, their edu educational achievements, or even their religious knowledge or church activities. Even myself. If I stand up here as the pastor of this church and if, not, if I'm not broken before the Lord, this applies to me as well. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 7 says, A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. See, a righteous person sees the poor and is moved with compassion, is moved with empathy. Why? Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit to do so. But a man who is living solely for this world, the eyes of his heart are still blinded, and he is in darkness, and he is called wicked by the Word of God. And he does not understand the knowledge of empathy and compassion to the poor. He just sees them as a number, and how can I get more out of them? And that's a sad thing. Next we see the statement, weep and howl. This is an extreme fear. A weeping and a howling. It's almost as if, uh, you know, when, when, when the, 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 the bowls are going to be poured out in the book of Revelation, what the world is going to be experiencing. Running to the mountains to hide from the presence of Almighty God, saying, we want the mountains to fall upon us and crush us. Why? They would rather die than face the righteousness of the glory of God. But they can't escape it. And this is the same thing going on with these rich, unrepented, unbelieving, wealthy people, extreme fear, dreading the judgment that is certain. And this is said in Old Testament style of Old Testament prophets. James tells the rich to mourn in consideration of their destiny, that their miseries are coming upon them. They're coming to you. Wow, that's a, that's a horrible thing to have to face. We don't have to face that. <laughs> we don't have to face that. But those who choose to not repent, this is what they will have to face. In the life to come, their riches will be revealed as corrupted, moth-eaten, and corroded. James is probably referring to the destruction of three kinds of wealth. Wealth that stores up food, and they're corrupted, they're rotted, and garments, right, that are moth-eaten, and gold and silver that corrodes. Each of them comes to nothing in their own way. 
The application is simply this. This whole statement supports Isaiah 48 all over again. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. When all else is gone, Christ is the only one that will remain. You see, this, this earth is going to be destroyed in fire. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to be in the new Jerusalem. But, but all of these things that we are seeing present day, they will all have an expiration date. At the end of the day, it's all about what Jesus Christ has done for the poor and the destitute of this world, which is every human being whether we realize it or not. We're all poor and destitute. We're all broken. We're all hopeless about Christ. That's why Christ has to come in and intervene. Think about the love of Jesus. He loved you and I so much that He chose to leave heaven, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died a heinous, excruciating death, a death that, that nobody else could, could die but Him because He was righteous and conquered sin, death, and hell for you. And for me, it's a personal thing. You've got to take it personal. You've got to know. You've got to believe in your heart of hearts that Christ has done this for you. Because He didn't want you to face eternal punishment. He wants you to be eternal, in eternal glory with Him. He wants you to experience the splendor of His loving kindness. You see, it was long-suffering while we're here, but it's going to be loving kindness forevermore in eternity because there will be no sin. It'll be so grand that the gates of heaven aren't going to be locked. There needs no lock. There's going to be no sun because He is the light. It's not going to be like how we how this is now. And it's going to be an eternal thing. He wants you and I to be a part of that so bad that He literally gave His life. And not only gave His life, but He resurrected. An account of over 500 people that saw Him at that time. This is not a fairy tale. This is not Mickey Mouse and Daisy, Daisy Duck. It's not what Disney can put on. It's not what Hollywood can come up with. You can't. You couldn't drum up what the Bible is. This is all real deal stuff. Real deal Holy Spirit. It's not fake. We've got to know this in our core being, church, so that when the days of, of, of tribulation come. I'm not talking about the great tribulation. I'm talking about days of tribulation when they come and trials come. You won't be shaken. You won't be moved because you built your house on the solid rock of Christ, not the shifting sand. And those who have wealth, they build when when they have their wealth and they don't trust in Christ, they build it on the shifting, sinking sand of this world. And this is the saddest thing. It's just that many wealthy people don't realize that they're broke in God's eyes. Because they think, I look good, my wife looks good, my kids look good, I drive nice fancy cars, I got nice fancy jewelry, I got the penthouse suite. I can think they're not laughing. But Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 tells us, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is why Jesus came. He said, Because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind. Speaking of anybody in our context now, talking about these wealthy rich people. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To reject the Lord's salvation is the worst thing you could ever do. It's the most horrible thing you could ever do. It's worse than killing someone. Because you could, you could kill someone. Hear me. Hear me. <laughs> That's how they get sound bites and they make people look sad. Because they just hate that. You hear what you say? You think you kill somebody. <laughs> but you could kill somebody. Hear me, church. Repent and be saved. But if you reject the salvation of the Lord and die, it's worse than killing someone. Because you've rejected eternal life from the only one who could ever give it to you. Again, today if you hear the Lord's voice, do not harden your heart. Respond. Turn to Him. He's wooing you to Himself so that you may experience the goodness and the blessings that He has for you. This world around, just look, I don't have to tell you, look around, this world is corroding, just like the wealth that's talked about in this text. 
Our morals are decaying. There is this wayward. There's confusion everywhere. Nobody knows the right way to go. But we are the church. We do know. We have the truth. We need to share the light of Christ with those around us. Because they're all perishing. They're all perishing. And the saddest thing, you can look in the book of Ezekiel. I'm not taking this out of context. I believe this is for the church as well. Because Ezekiel was told, it is on your hands if you do not administer the truth to the people. But if you administer the truth to the people, God will not hold you guilty, but it is now upon them and it is incumbent upon them to respond. So you knowing the truth of Jesus Christ, the people in your sphere of influence, you are going to be accountable for if you have not shared the truth with them. But it's not your job to save them. It's your job and your responsibility and my responsibility to share the truth in love with them. If you're doing that, you have nothing to be concerned about. But if your mouth is shut at your workplace, in your home, around your friends, out in the public, when you have a moment to speak with people, best believe you will be responsible for, why didn't you say nothing? Why didn't you share the love of Jesus with that person? It could be as simple as, God bless you. But you've got to start somewhere. You cannot, I cannot keep my mouth closed. You cannot keep your mouth closed. That was a side note, but uh, I felt led to share it. You see, it's bad enough that all the irresponsible riches of wealth will corrode away, but the rust will devour and corrode their flesh like fire. You see, it's not only the material things that are going to erode, it's them! It's them! Look at we're 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 imputed with the righteousness of Christ, right? Impute basically means it's given to us. So we have the righteousness of Christ on us, right? You have a nice car, that car is gonna erode. But you still have the imputed righteousness of Christ upon your life. These wealthy people, they got all this wealth and it's gonna corrode. They got ten more cars than you. They got five more properties than you, but it's all gonna corrode. And they don't have the imputed righteousness of Christ upon them, so they're gonna corrode with it. You're going to be built up and you're going to get an incorruptible body while those who choose to reject Christ are going to corrode. That's a horrible thing. They are so bound up with greedy gains that their wealth perishes and perishes and they perish with it, eaten away in burning pain. This is an anonymous quote, but I thought it was pretty cool. Better weep here where there are wiping handkerchiefs in the hand of Christ than to have your eyes whipped out in hell. Better howl with men than yell with devils. I thought that was hard. I'm like, man, they talked crazy back then, back in the day. Now, they made it a point. He said, said, better to howl with men than to yell with devils. I don't want to see no devils. <laughs> I don't want to be in a place of torment with these demonic beings. And that's why we honor God and we try to share the truth so other people can get out of there. <laughs> he says it'll be a witness against us if we do wrong. Speaking of our wealth, the corruptible nature of wealth, the wealth of the rich, will witness against them. On the day of judgment, it will be revealed that they have lived their lives in arrogant independence. See, it's not only that they abuse the wealth, they live with an arrogance, with a snobbery about themselves. They, they look at people as if you're beneath me. You're a scum, but there's nothing new under the under the sun. We know that, that, that uh, you know uh, many of uh, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees they did this too back then. Because remember, it was a religious state back then. It wasn't a, a political climate like we have now. Those in religion, those were the ones that hold, held all the power. So in that time, in ancient Israel, it was the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin that had all the power and all the control, and they were many times wealthy. <laughs> and so they looked at the common people like you're scum. Especially if you were a half-breed like a cement. Well, you're just a dog. <laughs> you're just a, you're not even considered a human. I don't even know how you interbreeded with the, with these people. You, you, you messed up our, our Jewish blood. And now we have these Samaritan people. But the wealthy are the same way. They, they walk around with such arrogance and such snobbery. Those who have uh, refused to repent. Again, just like the blood of Abel cried out to God from the ground, so will the cries of the oppressed 
and the corruption from the wealthy cry out to the Lord. Instead of heaping up earthly treasure in the last days, they should have been heaping up treasure in heaven. Luke chapter 18, verse 22 tells us, When Jesus heard this, he said to them, One thing you still lack. See all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Speaking of the rich young ruler, right? We know the account of that. He's like, Lord, I've kept the commandments. I've, I, I, I've done all these things. Lord, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he tells them, man, take all that you have and go sell to the poor. You see, that's such a sad thing. That young man, he had such a strong tie to what he had either uh, accumulated through hard work or had been given that, that he, you know, it was given to him through family. However he obtained it, we don't know. But he had such a strong tie. And that's what I alluded to earlier in this message. Don't allow your wealth to hold you captive. You must conquer it. Remember, the Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the authority of Jesus Christ. Do not allow your thinking to provoke you to think that I can have this and I'm all good and, 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 and I'm okay. No, you're not okay. Subject it to the authority of Christ. Allow it to have its place in your life where it needs to be, but do not allow it to have a stranglehold on who you are. Amen? All right, last two verses, four and six. It says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts. In a day of slaughter, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So he says this first statement, the wages of the laborers, he checks that by fraud. Um, so basically, they withheld the wages. I mean, they had him work, and they didn't pay him. Or they paid him pennies. You know, I mean, slave labor, they, they, didn't, they did not give them what they deserved. They lived indulgently without regard for others. Just like the rich man and Lazarus. Remember, we, we know about that story. <laughs> you know, this, this, this poor man was always at the gates of this rich man. And, and every day the rich man would come out of his house and see this homeless beggar and just would walk over him. <laughs> pay him no mind, pay him no attention. And eventually the, the, the rich man dies. And where did the rich man go? Oh, well, he went to heaven. It's all good. No, of course not. He went to hell. <laughs> he said, oh. Please, let me, tell, let me tell my relatives, let me go down. He said, no, man. They got Moses and the prophets, man. If they're not going to listen to them, they're not going to listen to you. You're already done. You don't come back. There's no reincarnation. You're a done deal. You are one in one. If you didn't get it right, you're going to hell, and that's that. That's why it's so real that we take it serious. Because there's an account of someone who had a chance, lived how he wanted to, ended up in hell. You can't come back. There's no re-over. That's it. <laughs> So this is what he's saying. These same people, they live like that. They have no concern about the poor. They just walk over them. I don't even care about you. I'm so about my business that I don't see another person that was created in the moral image of God and have compassion on them. It shall never be said, it should not ever be said that we as the church live like that. Amen? They had condemned and murdered from their position of power. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. And the title, the Lord of the Sabbath, is basically a translation of the idea behind the Hebrew term, Hebrew term, excuse me, Lord of hosts, which means Lord of armies, especially in the sense of heavenly, heavenly and angelic armies. It describes God as a governor, a warrior, the commander-in-chief of all heavenly armies. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9 tells us, If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. The application is this. The use of this title was meant to give the unjust a sober warning. The cries of the people they had oppressed had come to the ears of the Lord who commands the heavenly army, the God of might and power and judgment. Again, this main reference to Yahweh as God, the God of hosts, the armies of Israel, and the hosts of heaven. And lastly, it says, you have condemned, you have murdered the just, he does not resist you. You see, oftentimes, those who are poor 
and without power in this world have little satisfaction of justice. Because again, just look around. You see it worldwide. Not just in this country, all around the world. The poor are unjustly treated. Um, those who cannot fend for themselves, they're abused, they're mistreated. Yet God hears their cries. And He is the one who guarantees the ultimate right, that He will ultimately right every wrong done to them. And He will answer every injustice. I'll end with this last statement and uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 8 says, He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. Today may we be those who are aware of what riches we have been blessed with and let us be in tune with the Holy Spirit so that we don't abuse the privileges and the blessings that we have been entrusted with. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for just this timely reminder of how your heart breaks over the abuse of people and the misuse of the resources that you've given us. Father, the, 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 the most important resource you've given us is Jesus himself. May your church, may we not abuse the fact that we have fellowship with you. May we open our mouths when we come across people and tell people, hey man, Jesus Christ can solve all your problems. Jesus can make your life better than you ever thought. But may you give us boldness. Most importantly, give us love. If we don't have a heart of compassion to love people, to actually be concerned about the welfare of those around us, we're never going to open up our mouth, and it's not going to be sincere. So, Father, give us the love that you have for your people so that we can have that same love and that we would exude the truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, as the word's gone out, I just pray that you would just do a mighty work. Father, we thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.